Hey, thanks for listening to the Reclaim Podcast. You can go ahead and find our church on Facebook and Instagram at ReclaimTX. We hope you enjoy the message. So the, the title of this message today is Fatherly Traits. And, and, and again, this is a day where we honor fathers. We honor the, the, the men in our lives. We honor the father figures in our lives. And as a dad, we get to, to kind of reflect. You ever just kind of reflect on what it is to be a dad, what it is to have kids? Um, I do this all the time. And, and a lot of times, like I, like I mentioned in a lot of my messages, sometimes I do feel inadequate to be a father. Um, I do feel like, man, this is not an easy job raising kids. And my kids are still small, so I can only imagine how much more pressure it is to, to when, when, they get, when they get older. But no matter if we feel inadequate or not, it's, it's an honor to be a father. It's an honor to have kids. Um, and this is a time of the year where we really remember um, what it is to be a father. We remember those figures, those father figures in our lives. And, and the, the really one of the good things that we can enjoy as, as Christians, as believers in God, is that no matter the earthly father that we had in our life, we all have a heavenly father who is perfect in every way. So even if you had a good dad, a, 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 you know, a not so good dad, a good, uh, you know, when you, it was good when you were growing up, maybe it wasn't, but whatever the circumstance is, we all stand in the same position with the same um, opportunities because we have the same father in heaven who's a good and perfect and loving father. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, see how, how very much our father loves us, he, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. The Bible clearly tells us here that, that, that we are absolutely loved by our father. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. I think that's something that, that the more that we hear it, the, the easier it is to forget the significance of what that means, that God loves you, that God loves me. And we have to, as, as we live our life, even, even forget Father's Day, as we live our daily life, we have to walk with the right perspective of who our Father is. Because most of the time, the way that we live is more based on the way we see things and not really the circumstances that we're in. The way that we respond to God, the way that we respond to church is more about our perspective of God, not necessarily the churches that we're attending or the churches that we try or the people that were, are around us because it really matters how we see God. It matters the perspective that we see God. So there's three things that I want us to remember today, and I'm going to go through these, uh, and we'll find them in a story but three things I want us to remember is, is the, the value of our relationship with our father, the heart of our father, and the way that he responds to us. So the first one is the, the father's value. We're going to see this in, in the book of Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 11 through 16. Jesus is basic, basically illustrating to the people of what it is, to, what, it, what the father looks like. What the Father in heaven looks like. So in, in Luke 15, 11 through 6, it's Jesus says, to illustrate the point, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked 
good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now, there's a trouble that I had with this story. Because when, when you read it, we all, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but when you read it, we, it's kinda, it is kind of a well-known story throughout the church, throughout Christian life. But the problem that I have with this story, and I, and I really, I questioned God because I, I didn't really quite understand it. My question was, God, if you are a good father, why would you allow your son to do that? Why would you allow your son to get everything when you knew he was going to blow it? When you knew he wasn't ready for it? Because God is a God who will allow you to do what you want to do. He will let you make your own decisions. He's not a controlling father. He's not a controlling God. He's not one who's going to make you do something. God gives us the opportunity to either live for him or to live for ourselves. God is not controlling. So we have this opportunity in life to either respond to what God gives us in rebellion or in obedience. See, the son lost sight of the significance of his relationship with his father. He wanted the inheritance without the relationship. He wanted the blessing of his father without the commitment to his father. So what does this look like? This is when we would rather have all the good things that God can give us without the relationship that comes with it. Where we say, well, God, I want the good job. I want the the right house. I want the right friends. I want to be emotionally stable. I I want to be secure in life. We want all the blessings that come with God. But what happens when he gives you those blessings? What happens when we receive that? See, we have to understand that our relationship with God is better than the blessings. Relationship with the Lord is not about what we can receive, but it is just about knowing him. It's just about knowing God. This is, this is a problem that, that I struggle with. I don't know about you, and I know, you know, there's a lot of good people in this church. You may not struggle with this. But this is something that I, that I have to make sure daily that I am understanding the significance of my relationship with my Father in heaven. Because he gives good gifts. But it's important how we respond because we lose honor for God when we dishonor his blessing. When we take the blessing and we live a life of disobedience, we dishonor the God who's given us those blessings. God blesses you not just so that you can be blessed, but he blesses you because he loves you. He blesses you because he cares about you. He blesses you because he wants you to have provision. He wants you to have security. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to be fulfilled spiritually and physically and mentally. He wants you to have all those things. But listen, those things don't come with just blessing. The blessing is a byproduct of the relationship we have with the Father. Is this making sense this morning? This is kind of how we, how we treat relationships, right? If we treat our father like this, if we, if we only take the good from our father and then are not committed, it's likely that we do that with our relationships as well, right? Like in our marriage. Well, I want only the good parts of my marriage and everything else I'm going to check out. I want only the good parts of being a parent. I want only the good parts of being a friend. I want only the good things Because if I can get the good things, then I will be fulfilled. But like we talked about last week, relationship is a two-way street, right? Relationship is more than just receiving, but relationship is also giving. If we handle and we treat God this way, we treat people around us this way. 
we have to understand that the greatest blessing is the relationship. That's the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing is that connection to God. And I know that you, you probably hear it all the time. You, and, and, and it becomes so, so, I guess, cliche, you could say. Or like, it's so regularly, we, we hear it so regularly. But listen, you can know God. You can have a relationship, a daily relationship with the Father in heaven. You can have that. You don't have to get it through me. You don't have to get it through another pastor. You don't have to get it through another leader in a church. You can have that for yourself. That is the message that we preach. That is what we believe. We believe the gospel. We believe that Jesus died for this. Jesus died so that we can know God. So that we can be connected again to our creator. That's why he died. But this is what happens is, is we'll connect to God. And as soon as he gives us what we want, as soon as he gives us what we needed, we disconnect just like this son. Okay, well, now my marriage is fixed. Now I'm happy. Now I got what I need. So, God, I don't really need you that much. Because I just needed what you can give to me. And this is the crazy thing about God is he lets you do that. He lets you do that. See, what's crazy about this story is the father never said to the son, okay, you know what? Give me my inheritance back if you're going to leave. You can leave, but give me my stuff back. He never said that. He allowed his son to take the blessing and leave. He allowed this to happen. What does the son do? The son wasted his, he wasted his possessions. In 1 Peter 2, 16 says, for you are free, yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. What is he saying? He's saying, look, you have a gift from God. You have a blessing from God to walk in freedom, to walk a life that is actually happy, that is actually fulfilled. You have this blessing to walk in freedom. Don't waste it to do evil. This son received this, this blessing. What happens is he uses it to walk in evil. He uses God's blessing to live in rebellion. We can do this sometimes. We, we, we walk in disobedience and we waste the grace that God has given us, or we waste the blessing that God has given us, or we waste the relationship that God has given us, and we waste these things when we live like the sun. When we live like the sun in this story, we, we waste what God has given us. See, we honor the way you want to know how to honor God? Honor your blessing, honor your relationships, honor the job that you have. You may not like your boss, you may not like your job. But you honor that because it's a blessing from God. You may not like your spouse right now. <laughs> like, oh, that, that, no, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. We all like our spouses all the time, right? I mean, <laughs> all, like, man, relatable. We're on this together. We may not like it at the time. But it's a blessing from God. So what do we do? We honor that. We honor that blessing because when we honor the blessing, we're honoring the one who blessed us. When we honor our finances, when we, when, we, when, we, when we steward our finances with wisdom, right, we're not just going and buying whatever we want to satisfy that little, that little itching to buy things. When we honor that blessing, we honor the blesser. When we honor the grace that God gives us, the forgiveness of sin, when we honor this power from the Holy Spirit, when we honor these things, we honor the Father. 
So this son wasted his possession, but the Bible clearly tells us that we can't waste the good things that God gives us. We need to honor those good things. We need to thank God for them. And lastly, what he, well, lastly, for this point, what he does in all this, what happens to the son is he loses the value of himself. He loses the value of himself. We see here that he was with pigs. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't mind cooking the pig. But I don't want to feed the pig. Right? And I definitely don't want to eat what the pig is eating. This, think about this. This son came from a wealthy home. Who had all, he had everything he ever needed. He left, and now he's in a pig, hanging out with pigs, contemplating, like, maybe I should just eat their food because I'm starving. He lost the value of who he was because he disconnected from his father. And he was willing to put anything into his body that would bring satisfaction because he was disconnected from the only thing that would satisfy. When we disconnect from God, we're willing to put anything in our bodies, in our minds, in our eyes, right? Like we're willing to do anything it takes to be satisfied because we lost our value. Your true identity, your true value is found when you're connected to God. When you're connected to your father, that's where you find value. That's where you find identity in Galatians 4, 6, and 7. It says, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are a child, God has made you his heir. What is he saying? He's saying, because you are his children, you should no longer live like a slave. Because you are now created with a new identity in Christ as a child, as a son, as a daughter of God, this new identity creates value in your life. This value allows us to say, I don't need those things anymore. That's not my lifestyle anymore. I don't need to watch that anymore. I don't need to talk about that anymore. I don't need to pursue that anymore. I don't need to drink that anymore. I don't need to go there anymore because my value is not found in there anymore. My satisfaction and fulfillment is not found in there anymore. It's found in my father. It's found in my new identity. Is this making sense? I sure hope it is. Because if it's not, what are we doing here? <laughs> but we find this identity and value in our relationship with God. We have to remember that this relationship with God is, 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 should be the most important thing in your life. We talked about this at the growth track on Friday. That when we're connected with God, everything else... It may not be perfect, but it's better. When I'm connected with God, I'm a better husband. When I'm connected with God, I'm a better father. When I'm connected with God, I'm a better friend. Right? Same thing with you. When you're connected with God, you're a better whatever it is that you are. You're better because you're connected with God. We find value in this connection. We have to remember that this is our daily, daily uh, remembrance that God is important to us, that the relationship with the Father matters to us. So the son is now in this place, right? Now he's like, man, I have no food. I have no money. There's a famine. Nobody wants to help me. These pigs are not even sharing their food with me. Like, this is a bad, bad place to be. In Luke 15, 17, verse 19, we see his response to the situation. It says, when he or when the son finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, 
Even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. At this time, he remembered the heart of his father. He remembered the heart of his father. He thought, okay, I know how he treats his servants. I know how he treats people within his house that are not even his own children. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to my father because I remember the heart that he has. I remember that he's not an evil man. I remember that, that he treats people good. I remember that he loves people. I remember this heart of my father. So even in his most shameful time, in the darkest place of his life that he put himself in, he remembers the kindness of his father. See, the son made a huge mistake by leaving the house. He made a huge mistake by wasting his possessions. He made a huge mistake by living wildly and living in rebellion. But even in his most shameful state, what does he do? He remembers the father. He remembers the goodness of his father. See, even in our darkest moments, even in, in your most shameful time, even in the biggest mistakes that you've ever made that you think nobody will love me after this, nobody will understand why I did this, nobody will be my friend, nobody will even care, even in those moments you need to remember the heart of your father. Even in those moments when you're shameful, when you're ashamed of what you've done, when you feel guilty about what you've done, can I tell you something, that God still wants you. That God still cares about you. Romans 5a, I love this scripture. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. How often do we wait until we're perfect to come to God? Well, like, I can't go to church yet because I'm not, I'm not right with God. I can't come to church yet because I still got mistakes. I can't come to Jesus yet because I still got struggles. I still got failures. I still got habits that I want to break. Listen, this is the place for you. You know why so many people get hurt in the church? Because the church is filled with so many imperfect people. The church is not a place for perfection. It's not a place where only the perfect people gather together. No, this is a place for people who struggle, where people who need God come together because this is where you'll find him. But God showed his great love by sending Jesus while we were still sinners. You may make mistakes. You may fail. But can I tell you, run back to your father. Don't let your shame pull you away from God. Don't let your shame and your mistakes put you in a place where you don't want to go back to God. No, run to God. The father, he would take him in even as he was See, the son wasn't sure how he was going to go. He didn't know how the father would respond. He, all he knew is, like, I got to go home. All he knew is, I need to go back. But, but how often do we create our own version of God, right? Like, I know that God won't love me anymore. I know that God doesn't really care about me. I know that God's angry with me. I know that God is mad at me. I know that God doesn't want me to go to church. Right, we create this version of God. And we're like, well, if I go back, then this will happen, and that will happen. And then, and then they'll say this to me, and they'll treat me this way. But no, this, what happened to the son is he knew the father's heart, and he knew that he can go back home. But we, we create this version of God based on our past experiences, right? Like if I was hurt in a church previously, then that's how every church is going to be. 
Or if, or if my father wasn't a good father when I was growing up, then that's how God the Father is going to be. Or if the father figures that I grew up in my life never forgave or never allowed their, their kids to show emotion, then that's how the father is going to be. But that's not true. The father that we have in heaven is a perfect, kind, and loving father. And we know this because we look to Jesus. We learned about this last week that Jesus is the example of who God is. It says that Jesus was the likeness of the Father. And we see how Jesus treated people. He loved them. He accepted them. He hung out with sinners. He hung out with imperfect people. This is, this is how God is. God loves you. He wants to be with you. Don't create this version of God that doesn't want you because that's not who God is. Oh, man, are you? They all right? <laughs> We've got a wrestling match going on over there. <laughs> if you want to donate to Reclaim Church so we can get a bungalow in the back, uh, feel free to fill out an envelope after, after church today. This, this, is, this is the crazy thing about where the son is, is that he had conviction, not guilt. Because conviction pushes you to God and guilt pulls you away. When you're ashamed of what you've done and you walk in guilt, the response is, I cannot go to God. But when it's conviction, it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you got to come home. You got to come home. Just because we feel bad about what we've done doesn't mean God is angry with you. Just because you feel bad, that's not a sign of like, oh, God's mad at me. No, it's not. When my son does something wrong, I want him to know that what he did was wrong. Uh, I'll tell him, he'll say, well, you know, he's crying. Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm just really sad. I'm like, well, why? He's like, because you yelled at me. I'm like, well, don't, don't tell people that, son. <laughs> no, but I, I want him to know. I, and I'll ask him, do you know that what you did is wrong? Yes. And that's why he feels bad. I want him to know that he, what he did was wrong. But just because he did something wrong doesn't mean I'm going to disown him. Right? Although sometimes, I'm just kidding, no. No, I want him to know that's how God is. He wants us to know that what we did was wrong, but that doesn't mean he's not going to accept you. That doesn't mean he's not willing to forgive you. Too many times the enemy, which is the devil, allows us to cover ourselves with guilt and shame and we'll never come to God because of that. We don't want to step foot in the church because of that shame, because of that guilt. But don't let that guilt cause you to miss out on restoration and forgiveness from your father. God loves us as we are, and he wants to forgive us of what we've done so that we can walk in a new identity of who we're supposed to be. So the father's response to all this, and if I could have my beautiful wife come up here, you know, I, I think it was the, like a few weeks back, I went to the kids' classroom for like five minutes. And we just got to, you know, we got to just hook those ladies up for watching the kids back there. They're, I was like, oh, they're crying, screaming. I was like, oh, Lord, help me. I wasn't called to that ministry. Um, yeah, so uh, I want to talk about the father's response, but I do want my wife to come and play the piano. Um, man, how, how often, how quickly we can forget the goodness of God. How quickly we can forget that, that he loves us, that he cares about us. So, so here's his son. He, 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 imagine this. He, he goes to his father says, I want everything good that you have for me. 
The father gives it to him. Now the son takes it, lives wildly, blows all the money, blows everything that he has. It's all gone. Now he's in, hanging out with some pigs saying, man, I'm really hungry. I need to go home. He's like, I'm just going to go home and maybe, God, maybe, maybe the father will let me just be a servant in his house. I just need a place to sleep. I just need some food to eat. So now he's going to the father. And isn't it crazy how, how now we do this, right? We'll like create these, these scenarios in our head. Like do you ever picture yourself like in a movie, a movie scene? No? I guess I'm the only one. I, that's probably a problem. There you go. I, thank you. Thank you. But we picture it, right? Like, okay, I know that if I go here, they're going to say this. And then I'm going to say this. And then we're going to talk about this. And then they're going to get mad at me, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to keep my, you're right. We kind of plan out this scenario. And here's the son. He's like, okay, I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to tell him, I'm sorry for what I've done. Can you forgive me? Um, I just want to be a servant. Like, I'm not going to ask too much, right? Like when we come to God, it's like, God, I don't want too much. I just want to, I just want to be forgiven. Like, I don't want too much. I just want to reconnect with you, right? So here's his son saying, I don't want a lot. I just want to be a servant. I just want to come home. And I can imagine what he thinks the father's going to say. He's probably thinking the father's going to be like, well, you shouldn't have done what you've done. Now you blew it all. Now I guess I'll let you be a servant. Go ahead and, and you know, clean this room or whatever the servants did, you know. Or maybe, the, maybe he thought the father wouldn't even bring him back. Maybe he was like, well, I can at least try, but it probably won't work. Maybe he'll send me off with a little bit of money so that I could start my life over again, you know. I don't know. But one thing we know for sure is he did not think that the father would claim, his, claim him as a son. Because he, he, he was planning already to receive the bad news that he was disowned. Do, we ever, do you ever do that? Like, you're ready for the worst case scenario? Right? Like, I'm ready to hear the bad news. I, I, I'm just, I just, just tell me already. Right? Like, I hate when people say, hey, I got to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, let's talk. And they're like, well, next week. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to talk right now because I can't, I can't have that hanging in the balance. Right? Or like my pastor back at home, he would text me. He would just say, call me. And like, that was really like, even if I wasn't doing anything wrong, I would be like, okay, well, I know I must be doing something wrong because this is scary. No, anyway, sorry. But, we, but we're ready for the worst, right? We're ready for the worst news. So this son was already preparing. Like, I already know I'm not his son anymore. I already know that I'm disowned. I already know that he's not going to accept me back into his house. But at least I could be a slave. At least I could be a servant. So here's the father's response in Luke 15, 20, verse 24. He says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. It doesn't say he was filled with judgment. It doesn't say he was filled with anger. It doesn't say he was filled with, with disappointment. It doesn't say he was filled with, filled with shame. He wasn't filled with anything but love and compassion. Love and compassion. And he ran to his son. And he embraced him. And he kissed him. And he said, and so, okay, so just take the verse down real quick. I don't want to read the rest. It's going to be a big surprise, right? Like we don't know how the story ends. But when you come to God, he does not make you do the walk of shame. He doesn't wait for you to get closer to him so that you can be restored. He doesn't wait for you to get it all together so he can restore you. He doesn't wait for you to say the right speech or to do the right thing or to wear the right clothes 
to, to, to embrace you. What does God do? As soon as we make a decision to go home, the Father runs to us. He runs to you. He doesn't make you walk by yourself. He doesn't make you take on that big step by yourself. He doesn't do that. The Father runs to you. Because I think he knows, he knows how hard it was for the son just to go to the house. He knows how hard it was to imagine being that son, like you have to build up all this courage. You have to build up all this hope that if I can just get to my father's house. I don't think the son was expecting the father to be waiting for him. I think he was probably expecting him to, he went on with his life. He forgot about me. God hasn't forgotten about you. God hasn't forgotten about you. He's waiting for you. Now some of us are like, well, yeah, I'm saved. I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about identity. I'm talking about walking in power. I'm talking about walking your calling out. I'm talking about living for God. He's waiting for us to just take that step to his house so that he can run and embrace him. So verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, so he's repeating the speech that he had written previously. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I love this because I'm that son. I'm the guy that gets down on my knees and says, Lord, I'm not good enough. God, I'm not good enough to be called your son. I'm not good enough to be a pastor. I'm not good enough to be a father. I'm not good enough to be a husband. I'm not, I'm not good enough. But here, what does he do? He ignores the excuses. He ignores the son's reasoning. And what does he say? Go, get everything so that I can restore him. It didn't matter where he came from. The father never said, well, what were you doing? Well, where were you? Who were you with? Where did you spend the money? Did you invest it? <laughs> he didn't say any of that. God is not concerned with where you've been. He just cares that you're home. He's not concerned about all the mistakes that you made because we've all made them. He's just happy that you're home. Even though he was the son's last resort, he still accepted him. He was, a, he was, he was, the free, he was it. He was like that net that catches the people that fall, right? That was, that was the father. He didn't even care. He said, go get, go get everything prepped. Let's get ready. We're going to have a party. And we see that he gave him a new robe. What does this new robe signify? You can imagine that the son came to the house dirty. He came to him probably, he probably stunk. He probably didn't look very nice. But what does he do? He covers him with the robe, signifying the forgiveness of the father, that you now have new identity. This robe was not a cheap little robe. This robe was a very expensive robe. And he puts it over the son, didn't care how dirty he was, didn't care how bad he smelled, didn't care where he came from. But he put the robe over, he says, hey, you got a new identity. 
You've got forgiveness. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. You're covered for your sins. You're covered. Your mistakes are covered. You, you, you are made new in Christ. You are brand new. You are a new creation. So the Father is forgiveness. But, but lastly, and I think this is so important, is the Father, he, he affirmed his son. The affirmation of a father. It breaks my heart to see kids raised without a father. Because children need the affirmation of their father. They need that. I think the biggest onslaught in the world today is, is, is secular ideas that fatherhood is not as valuable anymore. That dads aren't as needed, but I'm telling you, if you're a dad, I'm, I'm like begging you. Or if you're, if you're not a dad yet, but you're getting there, I'm begging you. You're needed in your family. The church is not, now no offense, I'm not saying that women can't lead. That's not what I'm saying. But it matters that the father leads the home. It matters that the father lays a foundation. It matters, this matters, the affirmation of fatherhood. It's important. So what, is, what does the father do to the son? He gives him a ring. He gives him a ring. But this ring signified you're back in the family. This ring that he gave the son was affirmation that you are mine. Doesn't matter where you were. Doesn't matter what you've done. You're my son. You belong to me. You belong to me. Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. If God says you're valuable, you're valuable. If God says you're loved, you're loved. If God says you have identity, you have identity. If God says you're a son, you're a son. If God says you're a daughter, you're a daughter. God identifies you. doesn't matter what the world says because God affirms you. And lastly, the son was welcomed and celebrated. I want to be a church that celebrates people coming in that made mistakes. Too many times we're like, well, where have you been? What is, where, all of a sudden you're back in church. All of a sudden you, no, 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 no. We're just happy you're here. He celebrates. Luke 15, 7. Jesus, Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This party signified what happens in heaven when we come to Jesus and we say, I need you. When we come to Jesus honestly and humbly saying, I need, to, I need to give my life to you, there is a literal party in heaven. Like, I don't know where else to celebrate a lot. I can imagine what a party in heaven looks like, right? Like, it's probably more than the four balloons that we have, but <laughs> there's a huge party in heaven when people come to Christ. You're celebrated. So remember the, the value of your relationship with your father. Remember the father's heart to you. And remember the father's response when you decide to be honest and, and humble and come back to him. These are three things that I think we can remember as we go on through this Father's Day. We celebrate the dads in our life, but also remember to celebrate the Father in heaven. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you again for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. For more information on our church, you can visit our website, reclaimchurchtx.com.